Hello and welcome back to the only show that discusses The Bad Batch for three full months leading up to its premiere, only to drop its review a week late. I'm Max. I'm Luke's friend Matt. And I am Luke. <laughs> this is Force for Thought. <laughs> the hell, man? I was so aggressive. I hated it too. I've known Matt longer, so. That's true. Oh, that barely says for something. Weeks longer. I couldn't say Max because you already went, so I had to say Luke. And also, I love you, so. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, yeah, Why I could not so aggressive. What? And you love him? No, I, I felt bad saying I could. I had a default choose him. Okay. Well, I feel like this is off to a weird start, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're here today to discuss uh, the Bad Batch season three premiere. Uh, the first three episodes that came out: um, Confined, Paths Unknown, and Shadows of Tantis. And before we get mm-hmm kind of into the nitty-gritty of the different episodes i just want some big picture overall thoughts how did we like it did it live up to the hype so far i have two two thoughts real quick one is the other episodes uh in the intro joke we mentioned that we dropped this a week late i don't think we are also going to be reviewing every single batch of episodes the day not, after not every batch so yeah. it is a funny joke but also get used to it i guess because we will be talking about it a little bit later on um and then the second thought was the the first three episodes i absolutely loved this is exactly what we were talking about which we wish mandalorian did or the first two seasons did it is and i know this is the first three episodes out of 16 so it's going to veer off course a little bit and i assume maybe episode four will be a bit more of a monster of the week kind of filler fun episode but so far um these three episodes are so good and they're so they're just telling that one singular story of Omega and Crosshair getting out. And then it's so sad, which again, we can get into deeper, but to see Hunter and Wrecker be the only two left in the Bad Batch. Um, it is so, so down and depressing to see that. But I think seeing the, the stories uh, told in a very concise uh, linear way has been great for each episode. And I watched the first episode with my wife and I was like, this is a kid's show, remember? <laughs> like, it's so dark. Especially for the first episode, too, because the, the first episode had, like, no action to it. It was no. all just, like, plot and character development and everything. Yep. And I know this sounds weird because it's an animation, but, like, a lot of the is cinematography still the same use yeah, of that a, word. Yeah, a lot of the directing was great to see yeah, what they're like, showing. The shots and everything mm-hmm. and, like, how you see, like, the, the blood um, the blood samples that are being tested yes. in, that, in that giant wheel and, like, how you keep seeing it turn. Like, it was a pressure that, cooker, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was such cool imagery and I, yeah, it was fantastic. But, Luke. Uh, high level, I thought episode one was good, kind of slow and boring. I thought episode two was fine. I would put it in probably the lower half of episodes overall. Mm-hmm. I did not love it that much. Um, and I did love episode three. So, yeah. All right. Episode three was definitely the best one yes. of the three. I love the first one. Like I said, there was no action. So I, I get why, you know, it seemed kind of slow, but I am I was all for it. I thought it was so good. It was, uh, I have in my notes, um, the episode where we get a time jump. Yes. Um, but they don't really address it. They just they say that line from the trailer that Omega's been waiting for us for a long time. So we don't really know how long they've been there for. Well, we see Omega's counting uh, go higher. Yes. Yeah. She's there for like a week, and then all of a sudden there's months go by, presumably, and then she also has a different haircut. And she looks a little older. She does. She uh, looks a little older. Her hair is different. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. got a ponytail. Um, yeah. A quick shout out that she knows how to tally days properly and not like Ray, who just does single hash marks <laughs> in perpetuity. That, that was point. really nice to see. She was doing the crosses. Mm-hmm. 
Just grouping them. That way you can count. Yeah, five, ten, fifteen. Ray, what are you doing? Um, what are you able to cross? When I was when I was watching, I really liked that uh, first episode a lot. Like I said, and then the second episode came out, and it was much more action packed. The second episode followed Hunter and Wrecker, and they're looking for Omega and how to get to her and everything. And I loved that as well. My only problem with that second episode was I liked it less after watching the third episode because yeah. spoiler alert. Crosshair and Omega managed to break out without any help of Hunter and Wrecker. <laughs> right. So yep. I was like, well, their efforts really were just all for naught, really. Yes. It's true, but you can I also... skip that episode, except for those clones will probably come up again. I, I also love that those clones got dropped off on the island that we were talking about. In Babu. Their... Yes, yeah. yes, thank you. Uh, I thought that was a great little hint. They didn't even mention it by name. Um, and then also the those clones, like we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, when in the our bad batch uh season two review it was that they come across a lot of these characters that they're able to help because they are just a common person and they are doing good in the galaxy and i feel like this is the perfect group of people you know they're helping another group of people out and those the vine monster was like i'm like okay the vines are alive don't touch the vines and get it but then at the very end of that episode to have it be a massive sarlacc-esque pit uh I thought was an awesome reveal to be like, oh my god! Every single vine you're touching, when you're they're getting dragged away. Anything that's getting dragged away is getting dragged towards that mouth. Mm-hmm. Is a freaky idea. Yeah, and I I love that villain because it was a huge reveal. I felt like rewatching it. I was like, oh no, that every little instance when he says, watch the vines. Yeah, seriously, watch the vines. Like <laughs> it is scary looking. Um, and I love when it's getting pulled down and then they just sacrifice all the explosives they have on the ship. I really like that episode. It doesn't have much to do with the rest of the story, but the fact that it shows, like I said, the the fact that it's just Hunter and Wrecker now. Echo is completely missing. He is gone. Tech is dead. Crosshair is in prison along with Omega. And to see this, these two characters having to solve what would be a normal mission for the Bad Batch to, I think, successfully infiltrate pretty quickly with yeah, all be, five of them it'd be routine yes no fuss. but with two of them it's a it's so much harder i think that's what that episode's purpose is is to be like this is the state not only are they desperately looking for omega and trying to save her but they're also like this is where we're at right now between the two of us like when they went on that bridge which was also a great reveal when it drops them below and the lady in their chair who's voiced by angelica houston which i was surprised about when she hits the what by the way two buttons really easy to get those mixed up you can <laughs> I know, I had people. that same thought <laughs> but the fact that like when um they come on i was like oh echo is gonna come out of somewhere and help out i was like mm-hmm. nope he's just not there he's yeah i was definitely expecting Rex. echo to be more involved with the hunter and wreckerness of it like i get that it's best for echo and where he's at but narratively like the creators of the show i'm really surprised they would remove echo when they've already removed crosshair they're removing omega tech's dead yeah it i don't know like i sound like the we and we've talked about this before like it's hard to make a show about the clones because they're not that diversified they don't have much personality but they make it work and then the bad batch it's hard to make a show about these you know very broad archetypes and they make it work and now it's very hard to make a show about just two of them (laughs) and i'm sure they would make it work if omega and uh, Crosshair didn't escape, and mm-hmm. if Echo and Rex didn't come back, but it felt really awkward, yeah. for lack of a better word, to see just Hunter and Wrecker together. Yeah, and that's probably why I didn't like that episode very much. Mm. Yeah. It felt like something was missing, and I didn't like it. So I know I said we'll discuss the episodes in depth one at a time, but I guess since we're already talking about it, we'll just start with episode two. So we're <laughs> already here. I'm so sorry. Um, but narratively, I, you know, I think 
what the show does well and what I'm guessing it's kind of getting at is just the importance of how these clones need to stick together because they come across these regs, as they call them, mm-hmm. these basically kids. And at one point, um, uh, as they're searching the ship and getting attacked by the vine monster, two of the regs are like aboard uh, the Marauder, the Havoc Marauder, and they're debating just like stealing the ship and leaving them behind. Yes. And that's kind of like a struggle that this, these regs have. And then they ultimately decide like, no, we got to go. We got to like help our boys. To be fair, it was before they get on the Marauder that they're talking about getting to the ship and leaving them behind because i was kind of on on their side when they were like they're for sure screwed in there we gotta go get to the their ship before the vines get there and then Mm -hmm. we can escape and i was like you know that's 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 our that's valid yep interesting um okay so then they got on the ship and then they decided to help them yeah okay because that's when the yeah the last but the the guy their friend is in there and he like gives like their distress call yeah um while they're so boarding I, it. I, I like kind of the, the bigger storytelling that's going on for that, because I'm guessing that that's going to be a big theme uh, throughout this season. Uh, obviously, it was like very strongly hinted at, at towards the le- yeah, I guess the second half of the last season uh, when they started to get more into like the clone rights and stuff like that, yeah. too. So I think that's going to be a big theme. Uh, maybe they try to, you know, rally together. Maybe there's like a small revolution that kind of gets quashed at the end. Who knows? I'm very excited for where it's going to go. But I, know. I think that's kind of the narratively what that episode was getting at. Because like I said, in episode three, they they didn't help Omega. She was able to get out. It also does this thing where all Star Wars animated shows do, where the first season is a little bit lighter. The second season is a little darker. And then by the third season right now, we're full out dark. It is a black abyss for the Bad Batch. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. When I, so going back to the first episode now, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, when I'm I'm just thinking like if I were a kid and I was watching yes. the Bad Batch, like I would not like this episode at all. No. But like as an adult, I'm like, this is peak animation. It's, it's like the Fly episode from Breaking Bad, the bottle episode. Yeah, yeah, which that's was what it directed felt like. by some uh, some random director. I forget <laughs> who it was. Yeah, never never directed a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, but this is what it reminded me of. And but it's obviously a much bigger space. But like, it is so dark and depressing, and it does that world building where in episode one, it's showing you that basically ticking clock of the blood samples, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact also the garbage can just like blows things up. <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, yeah. what the. F- <laughs> That was just like such a like like a pretty uh, tame like yeah. yeah. It's like oh okay, so that's just completely destroyed. Yeah, it's just gone now. I had like a million thoughts about that as soon as I saw it because narratively, if it didn't show it disintegrate or whatever, yes. you'd think in the back of your head like oh Tanwi's or Lama's, what's her name? The Kaminoan. I would not, say the Kaminoan. Lama Su. Lama Su. It is. No, Lama Su is the prime minister. Uh, um. Oh, we were just talking about Lama Su not that long ago. Lama Say. Now I'll say. say. Now I'll say. All right, cut that. Now the Kaminoan. We got there. (laughs) Don't just call her the Kaminoan. Um, When Nalase was throwing it away, if it didn't like blow up, you'd think in the back of your head like, oh, she's saving it for something like, oh, there's going to be 50 of them down there. But no, you know damn well that it's destroyed. And that was a very clear visual cue. And I think it was necessary if it did seem a bit over the top in the moment. I wish I could be there for the conversation when they were like discussing that because like the script calls for like this blood sample to be destroyed by Nalase and they're like how does she destroy a blood sample? Like does she like pour it down a drain? She does can't she just, drink like, it? Like you said like you can't just like throw it in a garbage can because then it's like well can't you just go back and get it? Mm-hmm. So it's like oh we'll just put it in like this little container and we'll just have like this little like puff and a zap and a lightning. I don't know how to describe it but no, you know, small you know damn well it is destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah they did a good job of explaining gone. it. I was like, oh, okay. 
Yeah. But Max, you, what are your thoughts on the, the first episode? Sorry, uh, to go further in uh, into it because I know you said you're a huge fan. Uh, yeah, I I loved it. I don't know. It was like a deep dive into just like the lore. It feels like they're going to be covering a lot of ground this season, and they just really hit the ground running as far as like yeah. everything that they have to establish regarding the state of the empire, mm-hmm. the state of the clones, and bridging that gap from a clone filled republic to a stormtrooper filled empire. Basically, they they also set up. They have a lot of cool troopers. I think in the first, I mean the first three episodes of the batch they have a lot of cool visuals like you said like the cinematography i guess or whatever or like just even the drawings and the animation the cartoons but then also the they do a fun thing where it's it's obviously a kid's cartoon we all know that blah blah, blah but like we know that oh omega is helping the uh i forget what the creature is called but she's helping the, this the hound yes she's, she's helping this creature out the name um, was batcher but i forget what it was called it was, yes. the name was just yeah hound. i was just gonna say batcher which is i didn't notice it until i because i started mm-hmm. watching um the premiere on in my room and it didn't have subtitles on for whatever reason and it turned it on mm-hmm. and i didn't notice until i started watching with subtitles the next day because i fell asleep that <laughs> it's called batcher because omega talks with such a thick accent and i was like oh what a good name. Yeah. That is a good name. And then she also makes the doll that she has on the mm-hmm. show. Like, those little things are so good. And then the fact that her twin, or not her twin, her but her sister gives her Emery. the doll back and stuff. Yeah. And also, she is such a, she's going to play, obviously, a really big part in this season, too, I assume. Um, and they're going to wear her loyalties lie and what's going to happen with her and um, and everything, too. But uh, in, yeah, in episode one, I love the way it ends. You think that she's hearing... Um, Batcher die by howling out, but then we cut to outside and we see him yeah, thriving, kind of. <laughs> and so that's the thing is, I love the fact that in that episode, it's great because she thinks she did something great, and then Hemlock tells her she did something bad, and then um, we think she, you know, that creature is dying, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we cut to the the outside, and it's like she, you know, we as the audience know that 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 Batcher is alive and presumably is going to play into episode three. But I love that duality of. In that moment, the audience is relieved, but the character that we're rooting for is not, because yeah. she still is left with that. And the Hound is a great metaphor, too, for the clones and how the mm-hmm. Empire wants to use, or the Republic, and I guess now the Empire, wants to use the clones, and that by showing it the humanity and kindness that Omega did, that in the Empire's eyes, it is now ruined because it's been domesticated and yes. it's lost its killer instinct, and it's not just a complete weapon anymore. That mm-hmm. was a great analogy for the clones in their current yeah. state of the galaxy. I also loved the that you know uh, Crosshair in this episode says that he wouldn't think twice about going back for her if he escaped. I, Crosshair is great in this. He's season, lying, so. right? That oh, was he's just, he's just trying to get her yes. to leave him behind. And this is before I forget one of my favorite moments in the whole sh- uh, the whole batch of the first episodes. And I don't want to I don't want to jump to episode three quite yet, if, unless you want to. But when I love when he says, "Do you know Plan Seventy Six or whatever?" and then. Uh, she Omega's like, oh, Tech had me memorize all of them, which is a great moment to re- recognize Tech, you know, with with his episodes. Yeah. And I was in, uh, you know, Crosshair's like, of, of course he did. I was like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be jumping all over the place, but do I you, know, I'm sorry. Do you guys think that Tech is dead good for good? I, th- I, my my leading theory is still what I said in our predictions or whatever the episode yeah. was a couple weeks ago that. They're going to have his body, and they're going to be experimenting on it. He will be dead, but it will be a plot point that they have to retrieve his body to, you know, bury him or yeah. whatever, get closure on him as a person in their batch. Again, this is a kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't 
Are you going to tell me the current tone of it would not no, imply that it could do that? Everything you said is 1,000% yeah. on brand for yeah, this I, season. I cannot discount that. I think that is definitely a possibility. I think I, I'm more and more confident, though, that he has to be dead. dead. Yeah, like, I like agree. you said, like his body may be like a, p- a plot point or something, but um, like they, they did a good job of kind of like paying a little tribute to him. Yep. Uh, there was a line in the first episode where um, I think it was Wrecker told Hunter the last time we went into a mission without waiting for backup not all of us made it out oh and i don't i don't that think I line, caught like, that hit home mm-hmm. and i was like oh man i don't know and then they mentioned it uh later on um uh what does what does omega say she mentioned something about tech does she because i was just about to say when um but when what you were saying when crosshair yeah. asked if she knew plan 76 and she said uh, tech made me memorize all of them and he says of course he did crosshair doesn't know tech is dead at that moment, or even now, I, that, I mean, she might have told him. Yeah, I feel like Omega had to have told him. I doubt it. I bet there's going to be a very emotional point when they meet up after mm. these three episodes, and Crosshair finds out that he's dead. I don't think he knows right that's now. That's interesting. That yeah, that is interesting. I didn't think about that, and I think that's what I'm thinking of too—the line where she mentions Tech. But yeah, you're right. She doesn't say anything about him dying. <sighs> there's Man. no way. Also, they would have that reveal off screen that's a good point but uh, so much time is possible though i mean that yeah. could explain partly of why uh crosshair is so down on himself also the other thing i want to talk about is his sickness we don't know what's going on with him his, but his hands, hands are getting shaky yeah. this, and he's a she's a sharpshooter that's like the worst thing he could get this motherfucker's dead though like it, it, you know it's one of those things he's, where, gonna, like, he's gonna have a redemption arc yes but he's yeah but, like we, we all know that presumably he's gonna die and he has to die i think we've talked about this before in our theories of season three of bad batch but like um it's one of those it's one of those uh it, there's this play that i love called oh hello and they always make fun of other other plays and then they're like, yeah, this is one of those things where like the Giuseppe sneezes into the washcloth or, or like he coughs and then uh, somebody asks if he's okay. And then he says, yes, I am. And he turns around and shows the audience his handkerchief is full of blood. And he's like, that man's not okay. That's exactly what's happening here. <laughs> it's like, that we're setting up his death already. Like we all yeah. know it. Yeah, I think you're right. But it is really going to be a great arc about where he is mentally and emotionally and yeah. like all he's ever been is a trooper and you know hunter and tech when he was alive um but echo and wrecker and omega they can all adapt their skills for use in civilian life and yeah. he cannot no. he is mm. literally only good at being a soldier it's a good That's point true yeah i didn't even think about or that. paintball instructor <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. that is a niche <laughs> you could go that route um all right. Does anyone else have anything else to say about episode one? I really just want to get to episode three because I feel like that. I mean, episode one goes into episode three so nicely. Yeah. Uh, there was one part of episode one that happens. stuck out to me. Um, in the beginning, we saw it in the trailer when um, Omega and Crosshair pass each other in the hallway. Yeah. Omega looks at Crosshair and he's like looking really sad. But then the next time it happens, Crosshair looks at Omega and she's looking really sad. Yep. And it, it's obviously not like a star-crossed lovers thing, but it just... <laughs> The duality. struck me. It's like, oh, man, they're right there in the same place. And yet they are so far apart. Yep. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, episode three, baby. Let's talk about episode three. Holy cow. Yeah. The emperor was so creepy. Yeah. And I love, you know, uh, Project Necromancer, and which is such a classic Star Wars name for a project that had be happening. And then also it's, it's already like, in the Mandalorian. They've already named oh, yes. it. It's I was the, about to say that. So uh, in Bad Batch season three, we have Hemlock, who's uh, kind of. Um, controlling or in charge of this operation 
uh, and pushy to get a necromancer, get, pushy to get a promotion. Yeah, which we don't know what it is, but yeah. they know that they want uh, Omega, who presumably has a very high M count, which yeah. again is the same kind of uh, verbiage that they use in Mandalorian when referring to Grogu. Yeah, presumably she is force sensitive and has midichlorians and all yeah. that. I think it, she's not necessarily force sensitive, but she can, her blood can transmit M counts safely. I don't think it was necessarily that she has a high huh. M count. It was that she could be used to replicate M count clones. Oh, interesting. Well, that's very which it may be it very may very well the same. But it, was, yeah. it might be yeah. cr- uh, splitting hairs, but I don't think it's confirmed that she has a high M count. But I, just, I do want to talk about Project Necromancer though in Mandalorian because it is mentioned very briefly during mm-hmm. the the Council of the the Shadow Council or whatever mm-hmm. they were called. Um, where they say uh, that Thrawn's return will herald in a new era of the uh, Imperial military and will give Commandant Hux enough time to deliver mm-hmm. on Project Necromancer. So going back to our theories episode where we talked about what we predict is happening, I think all, we are correct in that all signs are pointing to the Empire or the Emperor wants to clone himself as like a final contingency leaning into the rise yeah. of Skywalker. Yeah. I, mm, yeah, I'd say that you is think they definitely confirmed bring at this point. Tech back to life, and that's he's the dummy that they're testing he's this the on. First Palpatine clone that like some not, not even Palpatine clone, but if Palpatine, they're trying to revive people from the dead. If Palpatine's corpse is like revived, which is what he is in Rise of Skywalker, would that would they try to test that on Tech? I don't think that yeah. is his corpse though. That's revived. I think it's a clone. Right. Yeah, it's not as physical body from Return of the Jedi. But to this point uh, earlier, I think that there is a chance that Tech's body is one of the subjects that's being operated on. Yeah. Or not even Tech's mm. body, maybe similar to exactly what happens with Palpatine, maybe yeah. a new Tech clone body yeah. gets created that is different than the Tech that we knew that died. Oh, man, be I wouldn't be surprised if they went that route. Oh, that would suck. Yeah. That, that would be so sad for our boys. Yeah. Because then it's like, Crosshair's my favorite member of the Bad Batch, and we just got him back to the team, and now it's like, Tech was my second favorite, now he's going to the other side. Yeah, that would be tough. Man, it'll be good. Anyway, cool. sorry, not to distract too much. No, um, but yeah, that was a big thing, Project Necromancer, and so I'm, I'm very excited for that and to find out more. I think, is Hemlock going to be the big bad? I mean, we know what happens mm-hmm. uh, in the this imperial era right i mean yeah. the, the clones aren't going to come back they're not a major part of the rebellion so yeah. whatever happens i don't think it's going to be a happy ending for the clones but maybe they take hemlock down and that's when hux takes over who knows i was going to say i would love to be able to see hemlock almost cuz he's almost too good of a villain to waste and just come in at the very end of season 2 and die in season 3 of bad batch but it, it, all signs do lead to him also presumably dying and also we do need somebody to to die on the bad guy side in order for the bad batch to be at least a semi-happy ending so it has to be hemlock with yeah, that being definitely said it won't be palpatine no definitely will not be him um, unless the palpatine we all thought we knew was also a clone oh, oh that would be a twist yes it would and to do it in the bad batch of all shows <laughs> would be interesting um but yeah i mean this episode also just ruled um, I feel bad for the Kaminoan, sorry. Um, you know, she's literally walking next to the Emperor as well. And just, you know, something that's stuck out to me, I wanted to mention this uh, when I was watching it um, by myself, but like when the Emperor gets off the shuttle, there's so many stormtroopers just in a line waiting. And in that one moment, I'm like, that it is an insane amount of setup for 
him just to walk through. Like that's how much power he has. It just he doesn't even care with anybody else. Like mm-hmm. I know that's a very obvious statement, but like in that moment for some reason it just hit me out of all the Star Wars. Everyone's just standing around for him to walk by. Like, man, there was like a huge this is a it is a huge deal and for them to, you know, secure the future I think is a is even a bigger deal for, for obviously for him. So to see what they're gonna I, again, this is a breadcrumb, I think, that's not going to be t- completely resolved, obviously, um, in Bad Batch. It, it's obviously going to, it feels like, lead into a bit of uh, Soka Season 2 and Thrawn's plan, too. Um, it's, it's odd. Um, I think, I disagree that it'll be, well, I don't know. I have so many thoughts about everything you just said. Okay. <laughs> the Break it down, LT. The standing guard or whatever, um, saluting whatever the Imperial... <laughs> Uh, format of that is for yeah. Palpatine. There's a really cool moment in Lost Stars uh, book. That's where, a great book. Uh, did you read it? I did. And she gets to be present mm-hmm. when um, Palpatine is doing his walkthrough at the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi and she gets to be like in the crowd and it's such a big honor and she's so excited. So there is a lot of fun stuff to explore with that and the Imperial military complex and all of the mm-hmm. whatever nuances with that. Um... As for the stuff with cloning Palpatine, I think it's pretty obvious that it's all just setting up the stuff that gets paid off in The Rise of Skywalker, and that's sure. where they're going. That's This is the beginning of it. I am really worried for Omega and the part that she's going to play in it, because not only do we know that the clones lose the fight overall, yeah. they're not there in the original trilogy era, and they get you know replaced by the TK Stormtroopers, and it's not going to be good, but also we know that Palpatine is relatively successfully cloned. Yeah. And I think they're definitely going to get Omega to be a part of that. And at the current st- stage that we are right now, after episode three, Omega and Crosshair got away. Hemlock knows that Omega's the key to yep. the cloning succeeding. And he has the full resources of the Empire. Yeah. There is nowhere in the world Omega can hide. I am really worried. Uh, but there's also it's like true. the meta point there's no way that Omega's going to die. But there's nowhere she could possibly hide. But Hemlock knows that, though. So who else knows other than Hemlock? I think if they kill off Hemlock, Omega might be able to live. And then show up in the New Republic movie. I also feel like Omega is a character that we will see in live action at some point older. So they can, you know, they can cast somebody that looks completely whatever. It doesn't have to, you know, adhere to the animation. Cool. And I, I almost, I almost feel like they could do the same thing with Hemlock if he doesn't die fully. If he, it's aged up twenty years, all of a sudden you can cast whoever, um, mm-hmm. and it'll look completely different. So I feel like Omega for sure will be in live action. I feel, I feel like I can see her coming to rescue Grogu or impart knowledge or something because they both are going through the same thing, presumably with with the M count. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like that could come in to play at some point further down the line. Um, that's true. I didn't think about that. So if they're kind of being pursued for the same reason, yeah. like if there's significance to the M count, yes. why are they pursuing Grogu so much instead of Omega still? Yeah. So something, there's Unless a disconnect. They, don't, they either don't know about Omega or yeah. Omega's dead. And I don't think she's dead. Right? I mean, I don't think they're going to kill Omega. I don't think they would kill off Omega, no. no. So I feel like... I think they're going to... I mean, like we said, from a storytelling perspective, like they, they have to have like some villain die for like some sort of happy ending for the clones, even if ultimately they don't get a happy yeah. ending. And I pres- think that's going to be Hemlock. Or presumably, what's her name? Um, again, I can't, can't think of her sister's name. Emery. 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 I don't Can, think she's completely evil, though. No, I was just saying, no. maybe she's going to turn and understand that and then be able to cover it up or something, right? She'll be able to 
disregard files she'll be able to understand uh, that would be a good arc for her yeah. maybe hemlock dies and then the, all of his knowledge is passed on to emery but emery doesn't say anything about omega and that's yeah. kind of how she gets off exactly that would be cool so she, emery gets an arc hemlock is dead and omega lives happily ever after yeah and the bad batch resume there you all go that too. all right well you no longer need to watch the bad batch <laughs> we, un we unlock the code uh that is a good code though i like that i like everything we just said interesting well um, I'm very excited in a month and a half when we're like, well, we were wrong. We should talk about all of our theories going into season three and whether or not they were right or wrong. Um, I know we all kind of said that we didn't think Crosshair and Omega would escape early at all. And they're already out. Matt, you thought that Crosshair wouldn't make it out at all at all. That's true. I thought they were going to do a thing where the Bad Batch get there and he is able to sacrifice himself in order for Omega to leave. But I'm Which it they... seemed like they were about to do for a second. I thought yeah. at the end of episode three that might happen because Omega was getting on that ship mm -hmm. and Crosshair was like holding them back at bay for a second. Yeah. And yep. then she was able... Or no, am I getting my episodes mixed up? Where they she dropped the tow cable or something? No, that's episode, episode three. Was that yeah. okay? You can remember because everything interesting happened in episode three. No, there were interesting things that happened. It's in all two. the buildup. I didn't dislike episode it was just one. Wasn't yes, it was relevant all the to the story. <laughs> um, so I did think that that was gonna yeah. happen for a second, but with Crosshair being my favorite member of the Bad Batch, I'm very excited that he got out of there. I loved when they she repelled up and she straight up shot the guy in the head. By the way, she stunned him. Yes, but she just. It was, I know she stunned him, but he, she just pulled that gun up to his head and did it. I was like, yeah, whoa, that guy's going to have a huge headache. But it was just so <laughs> violent, like so quick. I was like, whoa. Matt's always been an Imperial sympathizer. <laughs> was, I was just surprised. Headache. And then I love when Crosshair goes up to the pilot, uh, the cockpit, and then opens the hatch and throws the body out. It's mm -hmm. like, man, Crosshair's just so cool. And I also love that the, the Han, I keep not getting anything straight this episode. Batcher. Um, Batcher is able to hop in. With them as well. I was shocked that Batcher got an escape also. Yep. I was, I was glad by that. Yeah. I was so happy I'm though. Glad. I, like, oh. I like him. I like dogs. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested in what's going to happen with, with that as well. Um, you know, I can also see at the very end, not to get too off track, but I can also maybe go and see Omega living on an island at the end of the show. That's where Hunter drops her off. We already have an established place that that'd be a great place for her to grow up. So I mm -hmm. could see her living off the map, you know, I think that island there. is going to be obliterated by the end of this season i think it'll be think so? oh, it's, like this, it's like a sanctuary That's... it is like a sanctuary it's their only safe place in the galaxy they sent those clones there i think there's going to be a couple of other allies there that's going to be so disappointing going to show if... up and just wipe it off the Ugh. face of the throughout this entire uh last season hunter and record just keep recommending this place to every clone they find and then at the very end they just nuke it yeah <laughs> i think I think that might be what oh, we're Oh, that to. does tie up a lot of loose ends pretty nicely, unfortunately. <laughs> so, but I, I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, man. That is... I don't know. <laughs> I don't because you bum you out too much. That's just my But thought. you know it's not going to end well. Like, for uh, the Bad Batch. I can see it ending well for everyone else, though. I think the Bad Batch is going to be... Are gonna be uh, I mean, you know clones don't get rights. So, I mean, they're like I said, like yeah. they're not like soldiers in the rebellion at all. No. Like you don't see any clones. And they definitely would be if they survived. That's true. Yeah. Oh, um boy. something else I liked was when they're escaping in episode 3. It actually stressed me out like my heart was like pounding when the laser grids were going up when they're running through the tunnel. I thought they were going to get yeah. separated. Yeah, so did I. I was like, "Whoa, my god, that was so quick." Mm -hmm. Even though it was a quick moment, it like actually did like make my heart race. I was like, "Oh jeez." I love that idea of them escaping i love when uh 
Hunter was like, well, you're, or uh, sorry, when Crosshair was like, you picked a terrible day to escape the Emperor's on yeah, the island, right. in, uh, you know, in there in Tantus. Um, that reminds me of some other sequence. Was it from Ahsoka? I think it was in Ahsoka when they're, um, when Thrawn is blasting all the Star Destroyer down on yeah. them and they're taking the howlers and they're trying to get into the base and someone makes it in at the last second. And it's like, that's such a standard action movie sequence. Yeah. And if you just do it right, it gets me it, every time anyway. Yeah. And yeah, that's how those, uh, laser grids were yes too. it did um and it also reminded me of obviously the phantom menace where obi-wan and qui-gon got separated and i always wonder because darth maul kind of like tests it when yeah. he like hits it with his blade and it stops a lightsaber what happens if you just run full steam into that thing just right are you disintegrated evaporated? <laughs> yeah is that just like a wall of lightsaber I can be good i imagine you bounce off you yeah. bounce I off? I imagine it's more like a wall. Than I think that's if you're playing in a video game. I think. I might if, have bounced off in a video game before. <laughs> I don't know. I think if, if that's real, you just like disintegrate into it. That is such a safety hazard. This isn't that's the war. point of it, though. They're clearly trying <laughs> to keep people out. You can I don't keep know. Keep people out with a wall just as well as with a lightsaber wall. That's true. And if you're trying to protect those beasts, right, those creatures within there, I don't think they're disintegrate them. There's a lot of different walls. Yeah, up. that too. I was thinking about the Duel of the Fates more so than the mm. Batcher or the Hound, whatever, kennel. Yeah. But yeah, definitely in the Hound kennel, they don't want to accidentally disintegrate all of their hounds. You're worrying too much about safety precautions in a galaxy where they just have bottomless pits open to people at almost no all times. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, this isn't even just a safety rate. This is an active weapon that you would be putting out in yeah. terms of... Just for the purpose of corralling people away from you. Man, I love these three episodes, though. I had a, a blast watching them. Uh, episode two, one other thing I want to talk about. Uh, Mox, the older clone reg, was voiced by Daniel Logan, who played Boba Fett was in Sack of the Clones. He was, oh, yes. I, I saw that. That's nice. That's exciting. Might be hinting at a Boba Fett appearance later this season. Which I we hope. talked about in our predictions. Yes, we, we did. We thought we might see a Cad Boba Bane. Fett. I think... Which I was just uh, rewatching um, the Mandalorian season two, and uh, it was I forget what episode, but they were breaking into that base with Migs Mayfield and Mando, and Mando was like seeing who can go in there, and everyone else was like, "Oh, I can't do it. The Empire knows who I am." And then he said, "Fett," and Boba Fett said, "Let's just say they'll recognize my face." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, that's a funny line," but it really also calls into question like what is like the understanding of clones during this time, and like. What kind of trouble has Boba Fett gotten into throughout these years? Like, if this ends with, like, basically, like, a mass genocide of clones and Boba Fett has worked for the Empire before, does he just constantly keep his helmet on at all times so that people don't know? Yeah. I mean, I pro- I definitely would if I was him. I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was, like, really interesting. Like, Jango really set him up for failure in life. Like, because that's so far removed, too. Like, what is what is Mandalorian? That's, like, nine years after Return of the Jedi? Five. Six? Five? Um, like five years after Return of the Jedi, if an Imperial sees a clone, what's what's the relationship there? Like, is that like an, a presumed mm. enemy of the Empire? Yeah, that would be like thirty years after the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a that's long enough that you probably wouldn't even recognize them, especially with the rapid aging of the clones. Well, his yeah. his didn't have rap or was he? No, he didn't. Boba have didn't have rapid aging, rapid aging no. but I'm saying no other clone still looks like him because every other clone looks, whatever, 25 years older than him. Are all the clones potentially dead by that point? I would think so, but Rex is still alive. But he's got to be pushing. That's true. Dead, dead by old. 
I know I'm getting like way far off now, and I should probably save this for a force for thought. But Jingle Fett asked for an unaltered clone for himself as like part of his payment. Mm-hmm. Do you think he took care of a newborn, or do you think he was like, give me an unaltered clone starting at like six? That's interesting. I do not per- see him being a good s- single dad to a newborn <laughs> with his lineup. He's also out of town all the time for work. That, all the time. It's a it's a lot of effort. I mean, I guess you could have put, he could definitely afford nursery droids and stuff so he can make it work but why would you bother with the hassle there's no way he wants an unaltered clone for the joy of raising a child right. <laughs> he wants yeah. to continue his legacy yeah i bet he had them make him at eight years old yeah nine years old i mean he's nine in the movie so do you I think he told eight or seven do you think they can stop the age progression like he was like just cut it off at five or do you think he was like you raise him unaltered for five years and then give him to me no i think he was like five-year-old yeah, I think go. they created a five-year-old. No, they start as babies. They do start you as babies. You see them in the little That's true. <laughs> Those five years will really affect you. I mean, how could it... Well, they could just be unaltered in terms of uh, genetic rapid aging and still oh, grow up with all the other clone troopers for five years until giving them to Jango Fett. Yeah. I bet that's what they did. Yeah, I think that... that... That's right. that sound. We figured it out. It's good you didn't save that for a force for thought, too. We wrapped that up. <laughs> yeah, tied a little nice bow on that one. All right. Anyway, um, back to Bad Batch. So kind of final thoughts. What are we looking forward to? I guess we already kind of talked about these, but what are we looking forward to? What predictions do we have? How are you guys feeling? I think uh, Pabu's going to get destroyed. I do think um, we might have, because I saw... A YouTube video, I think it was Star Wars Explained, mentioned that the clones that we see in episode two were in season one, um, briefly. Hmm. And those uh, Deveronians that we see in the beginning of episode two were also in season one, which I don't remember that at all. But apparently we see the Pike uh, take the horn off of that Deveronian. That's why Hunter and Wrecker knew oh, how to find him. That's such a good callback. That is. I, didn't, I don't know that, though. I, I didn't remember that at all. I, I, I didn't remember it either. But Smart. we are... Looking good for having all the minor characters like that brought back uh, for season three, similar to Avatar The Last Airbender did that really well, where every character you meet throughout the series is then brought back at the end in a really satisfying way for the big battle against the Fire Nation in that show. But I could see all the allies they've made coming back at the end for one big fight that they will inevitably lose. But they'll win some small moral victory before being wiped out. They'll kill Hemlock, and they'll be able to provide a life for Omega. That's the goal. There's no way all the Batch is going to die, though. Wrecker's going to live. I don't don't know. I think Echo will live. No, Echo won't live. I think Wrecker and Hunter are going to live. I think that's... I love the the, the, the last... The... the, I don't know. The storyline throughout the show so far, these, these batch of episodes, is the mission's not over yet. And so once the mission is over, they're able to die, I almost feel like, is what they're allowing themselves to do mm-hmm. and so i think that's you're right though omega will have a life after them and hemlock will be will be dead so then she is no longer in danger and i think that will then the mission is over and they can kind of go off peacefully and, and die or whether or not even maybe maybe it's left more in the air maybe if just say hunter and an echo were left they go their separate ways to live their lives and never to be with omega again so that she is able to live a successful life because as long as they're around her there, she's in danger. 
Um, so I think that's one of those things that's going to happen too. And so I'm really looking forward to nothing <laughs> at the same time <laughs> as I am looking forward to everything to seeing how it, it pans out. But I was blown away by these first three episodes. So I'm super excited to see what the rest of the show has to offer. Um, with, uh, yeah, with the, with the, with the remaining 13 episodes. I agree. I thought, uh, I thought these first three episodes were amazing. Yeah. Blew me out of the water. I'm very excited to see what happens. I can't imagine a world where Hunter and Wrecker survive, though. Uh, yeah. I think it's so random. I think... I, don't, I mean, the writers it, I obviously know. know, but it can go any direction. Yeah, It'd be yeah, just the as questions of Like, you know, Rex is still out there. Like, how come they never helped Rex with anything? The mission's over. They got one mission left. I mean, obviously, this is a question every single time a new Star Wars anything is made that people have, and they always address it, so... Yeah, they'll make it work. Yeah, they'll make it no work, but what. I'm just, you know, I'm curious and I'm I'm very excited. So the, the only question really is what would be most emotionally effective for this story? Whose death and whose survival? And it could be any one of them would be, I think, just as successful at telling a great story if one of them died or the other or any of them survived or not. And the fact they already killed off Tech, too, just tells me that they're not afraid. Do you think they're going to fake their death so Omega at least can, like, never not go looking for them? Like, everyone else, like, they'll, like the ending shot will be them actually still alive. Like, I don't, that's the only thing I can see them doing is the fact that, because I didn't think Omega will never stop wanting to be with them unless they are dead. And so I feel like there could be that fact of them it looks like they died, and they know that she's going to be okay, so they're never going to reveal herself. Um, but for some reason, I can see that going the other way, where the Empire will never stop hunting Omega, mm-hmm. and Omega wants Hunter and Wrecker to be free. So she's like, they'll never be free unless I'm dead. So she fakes her death, and then maybe, like like you said, like at mm-hmm. the end, that's the thing. Like She sees them like kind of off like doing missions or something on their own, and she's like happy knowing that they can be safe without her. That's what I was going to say, because the Empire is not tracking or hunting the Bad Batch at all. They just care about Omega, and if Omega was never in the picture, they would have been happy being mercenaries for the yeah. last for the rest of their lives. And it's Omega that's the problem. Interesting. I don't know, but I still yeah, feel like that's her mission. Again, this is a kid's show. This yeah. is animated, so we're like... You can't kill Omega. I don't know how deep they're going to go with this, but... There's no way they'll kill Omega. They can, they can no. do it. No. All right. Well, let us know what you think. Let us know what your predictions are and let us know what you thought of the first three episodes. You can reach us across social media at Force for Thought and you can email us at Force for Thought at gmail.com. And speaking of Force for Thought, does anyone have a Force for Thought? I have for Force thought? for Thought. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. Droidicas. You know them. You love them. Roly polies with the shields. Mm-hmm. Destroyers. How do you pronounce it? Droidica. I would say the same thing. Say it. Droidica. Um, where are the droid decas? That's a good quote, but the way he says it is where are those droid decas? And the reason it stands out is because I was playing Star Wars Battlefront 2, the 2017 version, and I was playing with a friend, and he calls them droid decas. And as soon as he said it... Who says that? A friend of mine. Okay. uh, (laughs) Correct him. That's incorrect. I I did correct him. I was like, it's not droid deca, it's droidica. And he was like, oh, really? How do you know? And I was like, well, is it only ever said by... Newt Gunray or Rune Hako in that one scene because they have thick Japanese accents. No, I think are we it's... all saying it in a thick Japanese accent? I think it's said in the second episode of season two of Bad Batch, the one where they uh, were crosshair. It's the crosshair episode with Cody, and they go in that separatist stronghold and they have droids there. One of them says something about droidicas. Okay, 
That's what I wanted to know. All this right, is this a, was a bad force for thought too because we wrapped it up. No, this I, is a great force for thought, and also about timing. We're talking about Bad Batch. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that is good timing. Now, but now I'm paranoid though. Now I'm like, am I filling in gaps that aren't actually there? Because there's definitely droid cause in that episode because they kill them in one of the coolest ways possible, where they like shoot a battle droid and then they stick that battle droid with a grenade and it yes. like slowly falls into the bubble and it blows up. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure when they arrive, someone says Droidicas. Okay. That that would make me feel better because before then, and that is But if they did it would recent. have been with an accent as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Because and now that, I gotta rewatch it and that really new gunray voice is a very famous Japanese almost satire accent. Yeah. And he he just says it like droidikas and it's like you don't say it like that every time but we do say droidikas and are we just incorrect? Man, but That's a good even if we are incorrect, I don't think it's droideka. Yeah, no, that you can correct. You've you've played video games long. This is like Overwatch when people would play as uh, Symmetra and they would always talk about her turrets. How many people refer to it as turrets and we're like, where where are you getting that end from? The word is just turret. I know you haven't played Overwatch in a while, Max, but it has been seven years that I've been dealing with that problem. People and are still is, calling them turrets. It has never gone away. Yes. It's unbelievable. I don't know why people say that. Me That's neither. not the word. That's infuriating. Mm-hmm. And a turret is not like a weird word. Like turrets? That's, it's a word. That's... Yeah. The entire Overwatch community says it with an N for absolutely no reason. Oh. Frustrating. So sorry for you guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Something I lived with. <laughs> no one understands your struggles, Luke. I know. I have such a hard life and no sympathy. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have sympathy for Luke, let us know. You can reach out to us across social media at Force for Thought, or you can email us at forceforthought at gmail.com. See you, Sammy.